Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. On this episode of the Heat Check, so much to go over. The dynastic, dynamic, amazing Golden State Warriors go back to the finals. I've always said I love that team. Always said I love that team. Uh, For the sixth time in eight years. Uh, once Thanos uh, unblipped us, they got back to their dynastic ways after gap years of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson being injured. So Boston looks like they're going to close this baby out tonight uh, against Miami. And we also have some current tea uh, and some updates from around the league, Brock. So go ahead and drop that on the beat. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available Dual wireless charging pads, so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, so we got to get into some current news. It is our our daily, weekly check-in on the state of the Brooklyn Nets franchise. And um, I got through multiple paywalls. I set an incognito window up. I figured out how to get to the New York Daily News. I put in uh, a fake email so that they would allow me to have five free, one free article. Um, and according to, I'm not going to make you do all that, so we're going to just kind of put that out and give you their news and disseminate what the truth is and what this means moving forward. Because I tell you what, the headline was end times. The end game is near for the Brooklyn Nets because of, of course, the complications around Kyrie Irving, right? We talked about this last pod, what's going on with Kyrie, what these comments that he's made mean on the I Am Athlete podcast. Things that I just can't really wrap my mind around, but things that give me great pleasure in the tea world, which I love. I love tea. I'm actually going to have, my birthday is tomorrow, I'm going to have some tea time. I'm going to afternoon tea. So much. Cut out coffee, now I'm all in on the tea. That's besides the point. Unlike Marvel and the multiverse, there aren't 14 gazillion outcomes for this whole Kyrie Irving thing. There's only a few potential outcomes we could see. There's, there's like three. 
three outcomes, right? The Nets are now expected to play hardball with Kyrie because guy won't play a full season. (laughs) Like, he's just not around. Like, do not forget, he went on walkabout during the pandemic. He had to take some time for himself after the insurrection. He got suspended because he went to his sister's birthday party with no mask on when that was, like, a major thing we all as society needed to do when the NBA players were all locked down. They couldn't leave their hotel rooms or their uh, apartments without having strict measures in place, certain people that they couldn't see. Remember those times. Like, that was Kyrie a year ago, right? So... That And then, of course, that's not even including the whole fact that Kyrie Irving would not get vaccinated in a city and in a state where you needed to be vaccinated to be inside of a public place and perform inside of said public place. So had to be sat out of home games. And then the Brooklyn Nets, of course, as you know, said, well, you can't play only road games. And then here we are. Right. And then they get bounced out of the first round. Uh, sweep, sweep, broom, broom, Swiffer, easy work. Not even a full broom, like a Swiffer. Right. That's where we're at now. And they're saying that because they're going to play hardball with this New York Daily News, that they're going to play hardball with Kyrie, this means that there's a potential exit plan, a hatch, if you will, something, some escape route, something our school systems apparently need uh, for Kevin Durant. Here is the quote from the New York Daily News and what they had to say. If Irving leaves outright... As a free agent this summer, disgruntled by the Nets' hardball stance on his availability, Brooklyn doesn't have the cap space to replace him, which means Durant, entering year 16, geez, could be playing with a questionable Ben Simmons and a roster full of measly role players. That's a first-round exit, folks. And if Durant decides he's going to stay around for a first-round exit, which is sus, uh, and just wait for the inevitable to play out, which we're not even sure if that's the case, uh, Durant and the Nets front office uh, might have some decisions to make, and they haven't even spoken since they were swept out of the first round. Alert. Alert. Warning. Warning. Nets are in peril. Nets are in serious. Please eject. Please turn around. Go the opposite way. In layman's terms... New York Daily News says, if Irving leaves the Nets, it would not be a surprise if Durant becomes frustrated with the organization's ability to put championship pieces around him. I didn't leave Golden State for this. <laughs> they failed to do so at the beginning of last season with none of their top offseason acquisitions. James Johnson, Bembry, Javon Car- Carter finishing the year in Brooklyn. Thus, the fact that The Nets' championship hopes hinge on an amicable solution with Irving, whose personal decision not to get vaccinated and predictable unpredictability in his injury history have left the Nets hesitant. And now, according to the source, here here where it gets really interesting, according to a source familiar with the Nets' thought process, outright unwilling to give him a long-term extension. Folks, folks, this is bad. This is really bad. The Nets, outright unwilling to give Kyrie Irving a long-term extension. Thus, he either needs to ride out his player option, he becomes a free agent, and then what happens to Kevin Durant? He doesn't just chill and stay in Brooklyn on a four-year max contract. That's deuces. Pair that with Kyrie's statements about reuniting with LeBron James. Feels like the Nets are in the middle of... The grenade is already in the building, folks. It's It's got about five seconds until it explodes. Everyone needs to leave the building f***ing now. Who is to blame, you might ask me? Everyone. 
All of them. Every single bit. Joe Sy and his greed and his impatience. Sean Marks and his ineptitude. Steve Nash and his privilege and inability to get folks who knew what they were doing underneath him and empower them. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving for recruiting James Harden to the team. The Nets organization for even putting that trade together where you mortgaged your franchise for a guy who's fat and old and really cantankerous and ball-dominant with two other ball-dominant players. You gave four first-round picks for him and Jared Allen and Karis LeVert and Torian Prince. Not to say Torian Prince is anything, but, like, you could use him. He was pretty good in that Minnesota Timberwolves series. Folks, folks, so what happens now? I don't know. I, I just know it's not good. We got Chris Carino, the Nets broadcaster on tonight. Can't wait to ask him what he has to say. But I tell you what, it's hush-hush around there. If the Nets are unwilling to give Kyrie Irving the max and Kevin Durant leaves, then I, you have no first-round picks. The cupboards are dry, and Brooklyn just goes back to being New Jersey. Can move them out again. I don't care. Move the Knicks to Brooklyn. Jeez, man. Where does he go? I don't know. If I knew that, I would be filthy rich. Miami would be awesome. Jimmy Butler to Brooklyn? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. They need someone who can initiate an offense. I tell you what. I tell you what. All right, let's move on. Next piece of news. We all know Brad Beal's about to sign somewhere. Um, probably going to be some hoopla around his decision, probably some documentary like Jimmy Butler had. You think I'm playing, Brock? You think I'm playing? Uh, where there is no hoopla, there is no fanfare, just a Brinks truck and smiles all around is in Denver. In the imminent future, we will now have the new highest paid player in the NBA, in NBA history, Nikola Jokic, two-time MVP, just got offered a five-year, $260 million Supermax contract. Shams is reporting that he not only plans to sign it immediately, but has made a long-term commitment to the Nuggets, even though we talked about Tim Conley being deuces. He said, listen, like, it's good. I, they had a meeting, and, and this is what it leads me to. The best part about this is that the Jokic brothers were very involved in the process of getting Nikola Jokic to basically sign on and say, I'm committed to the Denver franchise long-term, even with all of these GMs and executives leaving. The, the Jokic brothers, you might remember, are the ones that um, created a Twitter profile just to come after the Morris twins, like them. So they are now operating as... Uh, shadow agents for Nikola Jokic. And so they met with Nuggets GM, new GM, Calvin Booth, and his team over the several days, and they reported back to Nikola, yep, yep, everything's good. We're all on the same page. They're going to get you some goons. Everything's good. All is well. They even gave us a little spot on the team that we have no official title. Uh, we're just your enforcers. Don't worry about that. That's, I actually don't think that's news, but I think that's probably what somehow happened. The, the option uh, upshot of these conversations is that the Nuggets convince Jokic that they not only are going to keep Murray, Porter, and Nikola, 
the core, but they're also going to be very aggressive on the market, focusing on defensive-minded players. Because remember, Denver was the 26th best perimeter defense, which is another word for saying, uh, like, fifth worst. So really, really bad. Math school is not great. So really, they need to shore up the perimeter, right? P.J. Tucker, Time Lord, Grant Williams, they're going to be going after these types of players. The Nuggets are set to be $15 million in the luxury tax right now, already as Gordon and Porter's extension kick in this year. I could very easily see Aaron Gordon going bye-bye. They paid, I think, two first-round picks for him. Who cares? Who cares? You don't need him. He's not a piece of the core. Notice, the core did not include his name. So this means watch the Nuggets on draft day because Shams reported that if it means discussing the team's draft assets as a way of upgrading into win-now talent, that they will do that. There's an openness to that. Nuggets right now have the number 21 pick in the draft. Could yield them something. Move the 21 pick with Aaron Gordon. Maybe you get a piece back. I'm not sure. They're thinking about maybe if they do take uh, somebody in the number 22, 21 pick, maybe like a, a defensive-minded wing, like French uh, international player Usman Jang. He's 6'10", with a 7-feet wingspan. Or maybe Kendall Brown from Baylor, who's 6'7", with a 6'11 wingspan. Maybe Davey, David Roddy. I don't like him as much. He's a point guard. They don't need that. Uh, they already have a bunch of guards. 6'6", 6'11", wingspan, but... Remember, they already got Bones Highland with a 26 pick last year. They got five spots better, folks. All I know, what does it all mean? Even though the architect is gone, his minions remain strong. Jokic isn't going anywhere, and neither are the Nuggets. Cannot wait to see what the Nuggets actually do because we know it's probably going to be more decisive and smarter than our pea brains can wrap our minds around. Won't look good on draft day, but he'll probably end up making the all-rookie team just like Bones Highland did at the number 21 spot, or they're going to get a difference maker. Oh, so it's done. It's done, folks. The Warriors are officially going back to the finals after eliminating the Dallas Mavericks who, let's be honest, nobody expected to be here. They hadn't won a first-round series with Luka, and they got to the Western Conference Finals. They beat the Suns, number one overall seed. Nobody thought that would happen. So, great. Luka showed that he is very good. He is him, especially if he ends up getting in shape. Jalen Brunson said he's he showed he's going to get paid somewhere around $20 million a year. But on the flip side for the Mavericks, it showed there is definitely some work to need to make done in order for them to progress and get to a better place uh, in order to progress past where they are now or at least even stay where they are now. Remember, Denver got to the Western Conference Finals and then they got swept the next year, right, by the Suns. Denver got to the Western Conference two years later. They ended up losing the Warriors in the first round who weren't even in the playoffs. So just keep... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In the same core doesn't always really work, no matter how successful you were in prior years, because other teams get better, other teams make moves, and you get worse. So 
the be- big question now is like, what do you do next? What does Mark Cuban do? Jalen Brunson, I've been doing a little math school, crunching the numbers today, crunching, doing some serious crunching, and uh, lots of speculation about what Jalen Brunson is going to do. Like we said, he had a coming out party. He's going to get paid. He's going to get the bag, all the money. Going to get probably somewhere between $20, $25 million a year. Averaging 16, 5, and 4, single-handedly at some points in times without Luka in that Utah series, getting them to win games that, let's be honest, if it wasn't for him, they probably would have lost to the Jazz in the first round. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. Now he's a free agent. A lot of speculation about what's going to happen, what he's going to do next, right? Interesting comment coming from Mark Cuban. He said, we could pay Jalen more than anybody, and I think he wants to stay here. And that's what's important. The issue, though, is what's more important, which is the lack of cap space that this team has. <laughs> and this is where the number crunching comes involved. Two-fold issue. Brunson says he wants to be a starter. Okay. And right now he is a starter. But Dallas also traded for Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie's making a lot of money as well. Can't have them all on the floor at the same time, folks. Listen, should Jalen Brunson be a starter for the Dallas Mavericks when he's like six feet tall? like six feet? I don't know. Spencer Dinwiddie kind of makes Jalen Brunson a redundant asset. And you got rid of Chris Tapp's Porzingis, which you needed off the books regardless, right? Not sure Jalen Brunson is interested in a secondary role, playing second fiddle to Spencer Dinwiddie. And I'm not sure that Spencer Dinwiddie's, Dinwiddie's out worse than Jalen Brunson. That, that man was instant offense against the Warriors last night. He was the only one that could score. And Jalen Brunson's minutes have nearly doubled since the bubble, right around 35 minutes per game. But how do, them, how do they all three function together? Do they all three function together? That doesn't even include the fact that Luka also needs help. So what? Like, how does Dallas keep Brunson and get more help? How do they keep Brunson and not get any help and get anywhere closer to where they were any closer to the finals than they were this year especially when the Clippers are getting better the Pelicans are getting better the Nuggets are getting healthy like you've got you know obstacle after obstacle I don't think that's what you want to do baby is the trio of Luka Dinwiddie and Brunson good enough to get past the Warriors no a healthy Grizzlies no a revamped Suns probably not so what up what's what are you saying Mark Cuban Jalen Future looking 20, 20 to $25 million a year with two years left on Dinwiddie's $20 million a year deal? That's somewhere like $40, $45 million a year for those two guards if you re-sign Brunson. Add in Tim Hardaway's $20 million deal. Berton's at $16 million. Starting to get the feeling. Finney Smith at $12 million. Means the Mavs, without doing a thing, already $60 million over the cap. That is a lot of money. And that is not including... Brunson's money. Signing Brunson could mean $60 million a year in tax. In tax. Not including his salary when calculating how much the Mavericks need to pay to keep him. Assigning that they, assuming they only sign him for $20 million. Listen, don't believe me. You can go ahead, Google luxury tax calculator. Put $171 million in for salary, which is 151, which is where they are now, plus $20 million with Jalen Brunson. And that is uh, $80 million in tax plus salary. 
Do you now have to pay? Is Jalen Brunson worth $80 million a year? That is some crazy Kelly Oubre-like <laughs> Honestly. Uh, that's what that's what Golden State did last year with Kelly Oubre. Where'd that get them? The play-in tournament. So what do you do? You got to get rid of Tim Hardaway. He makes a million, like millions and millions of too many dollars. He's injured. I don't even know what you do with him. Luka needs more help. The Mavs aren't even being uh, slightly coy about needing a rim protector who could actually play defense on the wing and not have to play Maxi Kleback five. They got their asses handed to them by Kevon Looney, and Kevon Looney is like a top 30 center in the NBA. So, folks, I don't mean to sound the alarms, but things are, for a team that just went to the Western Conference Finals, you're in a pickle here. Rudy Gobert's being floated out. That would be interesting. I have some trade ideas in terms of how they could get that done, but none of them include keeping Jalen Brunson. So I don't know what, though. Mark Cuban is saying, he's saying he's a liar. He's a liar. He likes Jalen Brunson, but he's not going to pay. He He's on Shark Tank. You think he's keeping Jalen Brunson for $80 million? No. Brunson is great. I really like him. I think he's a good point guard. I think he's a good starting point guard. One of the best table setters in the league, but I do not see him being paired with Luka and this team going anywhere. Not because they don't want him, not because they don't need him to some degree, but because they cannot afford him. They need to make more changes, not just keep this thing out and roll it all back. Where does he end up? I don't know. Probably maybe the Knicks. He's an interesting two-way guy. He works hard. He can shoot. He can set the table. He can play make. Take the ball out of Julius Randle's hands, uh, which God knows we need that. Kyrie, if he bolts, looks like the Nets will be in need of a point guard. That would be a nice little spicy move. Who knows? Maybe Kyrie for Jalen Brunson and maybe another piece to make that math work, make the math math. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Some people think Brunson could end up as as a piston with a sign-in trade with Jeremy Grant, which would be very interesting, like a little trade. Jeremy Grant for Jalen Brunson. Detroit gets better. Mavs get their rim protector. And the question is, if the Mavericks do move on from Brunson, which they will, how do they construct a championship team? Because anything less than a finals appearance now feels like an L. And Luka's already gotten a taste of winning now, and he doesn't want to step back. And we know he needs to step forward and then forward some more on a treadmill in order for him to win some more meaningful games at the end of late-game scenarios. Yep, step forward on the treadmill, step back from the buffet, Luca. Step away from Slovenia, which I've looked at on Google Ma- Google Images now, looks amazing. Maybe bring a nutritionist with you when you go. Speculation now is that the Mavs are looking at Zach Levine, Jeremy Grant, like I said. Zach Levine would be terrible. I think Bradley Beal might be a nice option. Out of the two, I think Grant is probably the better play. Like I said, lots of speculation about Rudy Gobert. That would certainly solve some defensive issues. Miles Turner has been linked to the Mavs. Man, I don't know about Miles Turner and his health, though. Both would make Maxi Kleber go bye-bye. Maybe he plays four. Man, regardless, they can't keep using Luka as much as they have. For two straight years, Luka's usage rate is 37%, which is number one in the league over Joel Embiid. The number went up to 40% in the playoffs. He cannot keep it up. If the man, like, look at him. He looked exhausted in that first half of that game. And it was like, hey, 
you're going to go home if you don't start making some shots, Luca. And then he was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is a closeout game. You can't continue to carry a team on your back when you're 40 pounds overweight without getting significantly tired. The Warriors targeted him on, on defense because he was out of shape in late-game scenarios. He couldn't keep up and be the LeBron-type player that Jason Kidd wants him to be. He was cooked by the fourth quarter, game after game. And, you know, another issue is that Dallas was last in the NBA in pace of play this year. Because, you know, Luke is fat and he's slow. <laughs> and so finding a way to get out of the transition might help minimize a lot of the wear and tear on Luka. Maybe play Luka off ball. Find another person who can play make and get their own shots so that all the attention is not on Luka. Maybe give Dinwiddie permission to handle the ball and have him play some point guard a little bit too. And Dinwiddie's a lot taller, a lot stronger than Jalen Brunson. No shade to Jalen Brunson, but you think he's like five inches taller than him. So, real quick about Spencer Dinwiddie though, as an aside... Uh, we know he's a weird guy, right? This is what he said after the game. He said, before I got to Dallas, this team was connected. When they asked him, like, what, what, is the, what are the Dallas Mavericks? What do, you, what do you think about them? And he goes, when, before I got here, they were connected. They look like a pretty connected team. After I got here, I'd say sexy. Because the sex appeal went way up. We're a good-looking team now, man. Have you seen his sideburns? They're not filled in yet. Like, maybe. Come on, Spencer. Never change. This is the same guy who wanted his entire salary in crypto, by the way, that has gone from uh, $50,000 uh, per crypto to, like, uh, $8,000. So maybe not take Spencer Dinwiddie's advice on financial things. Anyway, interesting stuff happening with Maz. Can't wait to see what happens in Dallas in the offseason. All that I know for sure is that they are going to be... I said they wouldn't do it. I said they couldn't do it. I said they'd never do it again. And they did it. They did it. The Warriors did go 9-1 and one in the first 10 games. The Warriors did go back to the finals with the same crew, including Wiggins and Poole, which I thought they needed another star. Apparently they don't. And now I have had... Uh, a couple of thoughts and a couple of revelations. One, you're welcome. <laughs> I mean, the mush continues. So if that's what it takes, like maybe I'm technically the biggest Warrior fan out there. And two, I'm ready to lay down. I'm ready. I'm ready to change. I'm tired. Dead tired. I'm I, I didn't sleep a wink last night. All I could think about was how do I prevent taking so many damn L's on these Warriors. So I figured out a plan at around 3.15 in the morning last night when I was scrolling TikTok and looking at Summer League outfits on Pinterest. Dark, deep hole. And then I thought to myself, I have an idea. I'm going to bet the Warriors to win every single fucking game until Steph Curry retires. Dead serious. Dead. I'm not joking. This is not a bit. This is not a bit. I am dead serious. Without exception. I'm preseason. I'm betting them in the preseason games. Summer league games. I'm going to bet them every game in the regular season. Steph Curry preseason MVP 
future. Uh, finals MVP, future. Klay Thompson, finals MVP, future. I'm going to bet them every series in the playoffs because we know they're going to get there again. I'm going to bet them uh, in their over on their win total in the futures market. I'm going to bet them to win the West. I'm going to bet them to win it all, all by September. Every single year until Steph Curry is no longer a warrior. If the Warriors lose, <laughs> do you think I care about that? Do you think I care if the Warriors lose and I lose money because of it? Do you think I've changed? No, I've not changed. I'm just finding a new strategy. I'm just finding a new way in. And it's I'm going to be rooting for them. You're gonna, it's going to sound like I'm rooting for them. But you know in my heart... I'm rooting against them. You know what I mean? Chess, not checkers. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to say that there's still a dynasty. I've already started it. I've already started on every hit. Best franchise I've ever seen. Who cares that the first ring that they won without KD wasn't with Kyrie because he was injured in game one and was missing Kevin Love? Who cares about that? Who cares about that? Who cares that they gave up a 3-1 lead to the Cavs without Kevin Durant? Who cares? They're still the best team. They're light years ahead of everyone else. If I lose the money, I don't care. I've started to make my own iced tea at home. The money that I spend on all the <laughs> is now just going to mushing the Warriors. It's called the, Mor- the Warriors Mush Fund. And I'm either going to be extremely rich or extremely happy. And either way, it's a win for me. Cha-ching! Cha-ching! It's either a... I'm, I'm like eating off of Warriors tears or I'm eating steak dinners off of Warriors dubs. Who cares, Dub Nation? I'm ready. I'm ready, Dub Nation. And we talk about the Warriors moving forward a lot. But it's fascinating to hear Steve Kerr reflect on how they got back to the finals after missing the playoffs two straight years. What was the reason? What was the answer that Steve Kerr said? You might wonder. Steph Curry. Because why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? It's always Steph. It was always Steph Curry. Steph Wardell Stephen Curry. Everything good about the Warriors revolves around Steph. Take out Steph, no more light years. So Kerr said that the genesis of this team, I guess shedding their skin or becoming a butterfly again out of being a caterpillar was when he signed his four-year, $215 million extension. Unlike a lot of stars, <coughs> LeBron James, <coughs> LeBron, Curry put almost no pressure on the Warriors to quote-unquote win now and get another star. Kerr said a lot of stars would have said, no, you have to trade all these young assets for a star. I need a star. Organizationally, the decision was let's grow these young guys so we can have a bright future. Very few people in Steph's shoes would have said, all right, I'll embrace it, let's go to work. Instead of making a big splashy trade like they were saying maybe they would go out and get Beal. Remember that, that was big news. Ben Simmons, thank God they didn't do that. They used their two first rounders on young players, Kaminga and Moses Moody. Very young, probably never going to truly, truly contribute in a meaningful way while Steph is in his prime. But they don't care. He's going to be changing diapers. He doesn't care. Don't even get me started on James Wiseman. We've talked about that a million bajillion times. But Steph just listened to Bob Myers, and the plan was we're going to win now. We're going to keep this team together. The core is staying together, and we're going to 
Draft a bunch of youngsters so that this team never falls off a cliff. We got a big mortgage on this Chase Center. We are not about to go back into mediocrity when your little ass retires. And they asked Steph, hey. Oh, also, by the way, Draymond fell in line. He even voiced his support for Kaminga on draft night all the way from Japan during the Olympics, if you remember. And so they asked Steph why he didn't use his leverage. And Steph said, that's not how I operate. There were conversations and different paths to take, and we all had conversations about going different ways, meaning they probably didn't initially agree. But at the end of the day, I have a lot of trust in Bob Myers, a lot of confidence in what we're about. There was no panic. Obviously, it helped that we won a couple of championships. That affords some patience. But there was no panic in terms of getting me, Clay, and Draymond another run at it. Figuring out how we could get pieces around us to make it work. Just patience at the end of the day. And now, we're back to the finals. They have Jonathan Kaminga, who's bouncy, only 19. He came off the bench three times this playoff series, gave the Warriors 18, 17, and 17, three separate playoff games. What? And then Moses Moody, who nobody expected to do anything right away, he spent most of the season in the G League, then out of nowhere gave the Warriors 10 minutes and 7 points in a closeout game. Ridiculous. Not to mention they found Gary Payton second literally inside of a couch cushion. Literally, they cut him, and he was like, can I just still stay around? Like, do you mind if I just, like, still come to practice? You don't have to pay me. I'm just going to hang around. And then they signed him. Only the Warriors. Dub Nation, we in here. <laughs> Discarded. Nobody wanted him. Has me sick to my stomach. It tastes bitter, sour, like a bad diet. The Warriors are back to the finals with just their core three by not panicking, taking on a contract they would might live to regret like L.A. did with Russell Westbrook, but instead they just put their faith in Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole, who's only 22, by the way, and a guy named Gary Payton II. And they got to the verge of the promised land because Steph put his faith in the Silicon Valley crazy mindset of winning now and winning later simultaneously that seemed crazy and still probably does seem crazy to most folks on the outside, even me, while still simultaneously building for tomorrow in a sustainable way. Golden State fans don't deserve this. They don't. They didn't do anything to deserve it. They never did a thing. They just continue to be entitled. But it's okay. I'm going to profit from it. And we are fully aboard. No negative commentary anymore about the Warriors. You're not going to get me. You're not going to trick me. It's all Warriors. I'm, it's gold. Gold-blooded. That's what they call it. Absolutely gross. Absolutely gross. All right, really quickly before we run, because I got to go. We got another show to do. It's over. It's a wrap. Boston, about to kill the heat. Thank God the Heat are a hospital wing. They have no half-court offense. Jimmy Butler's on one knee. Kyle Lowry's 30 pounds overweight with one hamstring. Victor Oladipo is the only serviceable guy they have right now. Tyler Hero off of bad groin. I mean, it's bad. Miami had a hard time scoring in the half court when everyone was healthy, let alone where they're at now. The only shot that we have, we, I don't even know what we call it, non-Warriors fans have, I promise I will not say this anymore, is if Boston wins this series because Boston's obviously a much better team than the Heat. Miami needs to go now after another score to open up the half-court offense. I'm thinking, hearing a lot of conversations around Bradley Beal. 
How they get him, I don't know. Are they going to trade Jimmy? Doesn't feel like that. That certainly doesn't help them. They need Jimmy and somebody like Beal. Do they trade Bam? I'm not sure. But it does feel like for them to be the number one team in the East and consistently being slept on because we didn't trust Jimmy and we didn't trust Bam and all these other randoms. And they are randoms. Max Struess. Of course he went one for 11 in a big game. Like, he's Max Struess. He's undrafted. Like, Omar, you're Stevin. Like, yeah, he's Omar, Omar, you're seven. Yurt seven. That's his name. That's his name. Of course Duncan Robinson's overpaid. He he went to, like, Wellesley and then transferred to Michigan. These are not good blue-chip players. Like, Victor Oladipo's the b- biggest blue-chip player that you have, and he has to have a funeral for a knee. So they need to figure it out. They got to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I think that's about it. Like, yes, they went to the Finals. Yes, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals. But somehow in your heart, in your soul, when you say to yourself, is this Heat team prepared for the future, what do you say? Is it yes? Not to me. That half-court offense, I am so glad I don't have to watch another Heat game for a while after this. And I had 25-1 to odds on them to win it all. I could have won a lot of money. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to watch another second of that terrible, terrible team play ugly L.A. Lakers-style basketball. Get it out of here. Get it out. What happens next? I don't know. I think Pat Riley is going to be active just like Dallas will. They need to figure out what to do with Kyle Lowry, though. Kyle Lowry, because he's making $40 million and he's $37 million. Uh, $20 million a year for two more years, and he's 37 years old with an injury history. So what do you do? (sighs) Figure out a way to get him to retire. That's what you do. Buy him out. Maybe he'll be healthy next year and help him. I know he's – turn him into Udonis Haslam. There it is. I fixed it. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back on Monday with a new episode. So follow us as things continue to bubble up for the finals. Look for live podcasts. Also, we're going to do those on the Odyssey app. Also, I might be going remote on the road. So if that happens, I will let you know. Please do not forget. Please do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends. Follow us on social at Heat Check and Trista Crick on Twitter.